Breaker, what's your 20? This here's the podcast crew. We're hauling up at 901, about to hit the airwaves. Ready for bookstores, cool chatbots, and the explosive relationships you'll only find in. You've got mail. Well, rev up your modems. Or an earful of. You've got mail. The Ultimate Hacker Podcast. Fans of cinema. Cyber. Hope I'm much like. That is, if you're not some no good. Superstore. Breaker, breaker, good buddy. Expect in depth analysis, breaking news about the cast and crew, a little internet protocol. And we'll even have something for your inbox. You've got mail. Yes. Some very powerful words. And welcome, listeners, to an episode of An Earful of You've Got Mail. This is An Earful of You've Got Mail, and we are uh, we are hosting uh, this, this show, which is called An Earful of You've Got Mail. I'm Herbie Ockles. I'm Alan. And we are live. We are. We're live in multiple ways. We're live in your ear right now. Uh, we are live to the, uh, to the internet. Um, in we're, we're living our best lives. Ways we aren't normally live. And um, on your on your illegal uh, personal radio station, Pirate uh, Radio let's USA. Not, let's not talk too much about the legality or illegality of any of this setup, but um, but we can we can get into the setup. Do we get into the setup now or later? Well, it's, we, it's more a legal. It's a it's 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 uh, it's um, pan legal. Yeah. Um, we've got so many innovations coming to this episode. You will not believe it. We've we've got. Save it for the setup. Okay, we've. I'm just so excited. There's all sorts of things. I will say, just as a little preview up front, I think it's worth noting. If uh, I checked my CPU utilization on the computer that I'm recording this on, and you want to just take a guess, what do you think my what do you think my overall CPU utilization is at right now? Uh, I would guess. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Thirty-eight uh, percent. Oh, lower. Uh, let's go twelve percent. Lower. Uh, let's go zero. Higher. Um. Let uh, actually, just in my CPU usage, I would guess it would have been much higher, but uh, not so bad, honestly. Uh, so. Well, let's go. Let's go eight. You were right on the money. It's it's a it's eight point two nine right now. It was seven point nine nine. Now it's eight point two nine. It kind of bounces around a little uh, bit. Guess but. what I'm at. Um. Let's go with uh, fifteen. Uh, I'm about 19 right now. 19, yeah, yeah, okay. Not right. crazy, not crazy. It's not crazy, and and it's um, uh, you know, uh, something. I'll leave to the listeners at home. Uh, if you want to check your CPU utilization, uh, and send in to yeah, us, let, let us know when you're listening to our show on your CPU. Mm-hmm. How hot does this baby get? Exactly. Yes. Uh, we we hear uh, you know people people tell horror stories about our show, and and how much of a workout it gives their computer. But we let's. Uh, I, but we don't have the evidence in front of us, so we need screenshots. We need, we need details. We need traces. Um, we need logs. Sys logs are always helpful. Sys logs. Please attach your sys logs. Send them in. We'd be happy to to have them. So thank you. Um, yep. 
And um, and that's all we really have to say uh, up front. Uh, but we'll have more to say later when we get to the main part of the um, show. Welcome. Right. It is time for our first and only segment that takes place at the start of the show. That's not true. It's only it's Well, I guess it matters where you're bracketing it. I I'm bracketing very narrowly. Okay. Uh and that is a segment we call News, Screws, Fuse, and Feuds. Uh views and feuds. Few I mean I say fuse. I say views. Views. Uh yeah, that's correct. This is news, uh screws, feuds and views. Uh as far as uh a few things to get to. I've no views. I have no news. Uh and uh I do have one screw and I think we should uh talk about feuds oh, once. We have so much feud update. Um we I I'll say one thing on the view side of things. I'm. I have a beautiful view of uh, Tom Hanks's face right now. Oh, congrats! Yeah, it's big and in front of me. Nice. That, yeah, that, that rocks. I agree. Uh, okay, so screw. Screws. Did we get anything wrong last time? So actually, there was a little bit. Nothing we really got wrong, but I think there's a few things we want to update. In this, how many coming, things do we get right? Uh, everything. Uh, hundred. Hundred. Okay. Solid one hundred. Uh, cool. There is a. Uh, Later in the show, I want to talk about the IMDb goofs page for the movie. Sure. So let's let's save that for later. And there's a little bit of info there. I won't. I don't know if it goes to screw. Uh, other screw is, I finally updated a joke we did. Not a joke. It was serious. Hmm. Everything uh, we do is serious. Where you talked about adding uh, the election results to our uh, uh, RSS. Uh, XML. <laughs> did we do that? I did that, but the problem is uh, apparently I used invalid uh, mm. uh, a name for the field. I, I had something begin with a number. Yeah, you gotta so, be careful. So I think for three days our our, 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 our RSS was broken. <laughs> oh, that's a screw. That's a big screw. It's a big screw. Let's it, let's just admit. Just sh- be honest. Uh, yeah, it was a screw. It was okay. Uh, in a second. Okay. I, w- I would have no problem uh, not going to this music because we are still effectively trying to get rid of the feud section. You Okay, if you want. I mean, there's no reason we can't do the feud section while we're listening to Baha Mansu let the dogs out in MIDI form. I, I agree. I'd say it could, go, it could go either way. Okay. Uh, okay, feuds. 
Feuds, yeah. Play it on me. 12 days ago, we got an update from Michelle. Mm -hmm. Michelle said, I'm going to just read it. Hello, Mark and Alan. And that, just to recap for listeners that for whom maybe, maybe this is your first episode, yeah, in which oh. case I apologize. So um, if this is your first episode, we have several feuds going. <laughs> Check our website. One of the feuds is with Terry and Michelle, uh, publicity people for Chip Davis, the uh, the songwriter of Convoy. Fa- Father Christmas. Yeah. I mean, say no more. Uh, and we, we have reinstigated our feud with uh, Terry and Michelle. Uh I would say a bit bit abrasively, on my part at least. Well, we went back and forth on how abrasive to be, and eventually... Good cop, bad cop, baby. Yeah. and so, so, Terry has not responded. No. Michelle responds, and I quote, Hello, Mark and Alan. We have continued to pass your requests on to Terry and Chip. We have not represented them for several years. Best Wh- of luck, Michelle G. Which is a new twist. <laughs> Yes, uh, to recap, we first talked to Michelle, and then, and this was, yeah, uh, and then we talked to Terry, uh, he first took over in October 2016, uh, his, his credit is Terry, last name, the music Mannheim Steamroller by Chip Davis, as opposed to Michelle, well, let me actually go back, what Michelle's actual original... A missing piece group, I believe, was the original thing there. Uh, missing piece group publicity. So, uh, and we thought that it was just kind of like internal, you know, work. Like they're both part of the publicity team. Mm. But it makes it sound here that really Michelle's involvement ended. She passed it on to Terry, and that's when our troubles began. Oh, interesting. And if you look at the first Terry email, he says to us. Uh, Michelle, last name, passed along your request for a convoy interview with Chip Davis. Wow, we thought they were a team. We thought they were a team. I mean, they do have different, uh, like subject, like uh, like signature lines, sure. and, like businesses. But you know, sometimes you have two different, like you know, in the Chip Davis PR uh, headquarters, you could have two different departments. Yeah, you have the missing piece department and the music of Mannheim Steamroller by Chip Davis. Sure. Department. So I mean, yeah. How often is Chip changing publicity people? Apparently, at least once in the last five years. So uh, probably it, all the time. So actually, let's just note this. So not only did Michelle not have, like, she moved on, but she passed on the info to Terry. She went above and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, Michelle okay. seems solid. Should we take Michelle out of the feud? Is that where this is that's, heading? That's where I'm going. Yeah, I think I think we need yeah. to retroactively. I uh, think we need to apologize to Michelle. Yes. Because Michelle was was not even on the job was going above and beyond by the by the point where this all started to go awry i, I guess other than explaining <laughs> that she's no longer yeah right i mean right she could have been clearer about that sure um but i feel like she's certainly not the primary party at fault here uh, yeah, so I'm now drafting the email. Uh, emails, Michelle, thank you for the response. You have truly gone above and beyond, and we absolve our feud with you. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, above and beyond is maybe pushing it a little bit. Uh, you have arguably gone. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. You have truly arguably gone above and beyond. <laughs> I like just you have arguably gone above and beyond. I, okay, I like okay. that a lot. That's Okay, cool. <laughs> you can really say that about pretty much anyone for anything. It's <laughs> true. Uh, so then uh, I will sign this. Uh, just me or me and you? 
Um, yeah, you can sign it from both of us. I, I, I'm fine with my name being attached to positive things. Okay. Associates, uh, your full enterprises. Sure. Uh, okay, cool. So that's going to be sent, and uh, let's see. I'm going to add Terry just because. And okay, so that's spent. Nice. And now I'm going to reply all and take her off of it and say, uh, Terry, just to clar- clarify, we still have a feud with you. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. Um, all right. And um, what? any other feud updates beyond this? So we got, we got our ongoing feud, which is going to be very relevant to this five minutes um, with uh, Megan Day. That, so that that yeah. continues, and the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. We probably need them to keep moving. I mean, they're they're still involved in us. Yeah, we should give them a little little nudge. Um, I, yeah, I mean it's been harder with COVID, but they've been dropping the ball. I will say one nice uh, sort of uh, evolution of of my personal uh, capability in the Pittsburgh uh, Symphony Orchestra uh, discussion. We've been using the word bravo repeatedly in the in this in in these uh emails to them right so we've been emailing yeah. them asking about greg baker his role in cocktail etc the sign off on each of these emails has been bravo comma alan and mark correct i think i might have identified what the problem is here they they think we're mocking them no oh they're, they're not well, an opera company that might be a problem well they're Wow, there could be several problems here. But the problem that I was identifying... They think think we're Italian? No. The problem that I was identifying is that Bravo is what you say to a a male, an individual male who you are congratulating on a performance. And so potentially, we don't know who's on the other side of questions at Pittsburgh Symphony... What was it again? Questions at PittsburghSymphony.org. But presumably a woman. Could be, could be multiple people. In which case, we'd want to say brave or bravi. It could be anyone, right? So I say we just respond here and we say, "Hi, hello, again." I'd, I'd say let, let's this. I think uh, we're, we're we're running long. How about we kind of we re let's let's let this marinate. We'll just, chew on this. We we just wanted to check in on this. I'm ignoring you. We just wanted to check in on this again. Um, we are, uh, we are going to be lucky to get like we within the first are very minutes. sorry for <laughs> any previous um, faux pas. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And breaches of etiquette. Breaches of etiquette. <laughs> um, no, okay. I'm just saying, we, we just want to check out this again. Bravi. Mm, oh, Bravex. Brav, Bravex. Bravex. Um, uh, yes. Um, see, I just wanted to double check. Yeah, so bra, bra, Bravi. Bravi is the... Yes, okay. Bravi. No, no! Wow, that almost went very poorly. Yeah, bravi right, is bra- the bra- bravi is the masculine plural. Well, well, that makes more sense. So we, what's we know how to handle it? B R B R A V X. Brave, brave is for is is multiple women. I think bravex is the is the yeah correct. Bra- okay, bravex. Wow, it, it's, it's uh, meant to be a time saver. G- Gmail what... Gmail has just autocorrected that to bravo. 
Well, that's that's very unwoke of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, Bravax, Alan, and Mark. Great. Wonderful. Sent. Nice. That, that's been very productive. We, we got some uh, two Ooh. different feuds moving along. We, well, we got to move them when, while we've got them. Absolutely. Okay, mm-hmm. wonderful. That was that was feuds. Uh, and that now... has been feuds, and I'm not going to fade out the music because we're going to go right into... You've got spoilers. Who let the... You've got spoilers. Correct. Okay. This is where we spoil these five minutes for you, let you know what's going to happen, so you know what to expect when you're expecting analysis. <laughs> uh, so this is... Uh, I, I, I now read, and quote... Who he really was, but due to fear from the fact that after learning his identity, she wouldn't want to resume their correspondence, he makes up an excuse for not coming to meet her, promising to meet her some other time. Uh, I mean, that's kind of conflating two different things. He made he made excuses, and then he promised to meet her some other time. But yeah, it all blends together. Sure. At one of her employees' house. Kathleen decides to close her store and start like over. One of her employees. Can't you say the character's name? <laughs> Next sentence. Birdie, her employee, tells. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Actually, that gets that's like double the words. Okay, that's nice. That's nice. It's efficient. Yeah. Birdie, her employee, tells her about her love life in which she was involved with a Spanish dictator. Mm-hmm. We don't. That's should... interesting. That's actually filling in some gaps there. Yeah, it's, it's you know, kind of tying two things together. Mm-hmm. Upon relaying this to Frank, they get into a fight because Frank has a very strong beliefs, and Birdie was like <laughs> a mother. Frank does have a very strong beliefs. He does have very strong, uh, you know, yes, he does. Uh, Birdie was like a mother to Kathleen. They go to watch a movie and have a huge argument, and I'll cut off there. Okay, nice. And that has been You've Got Spoilers. Right. Okay! Wow! What a what a thing! We so much happening. Wow! We so are gonna run, set up. I know. This is I gonna, know. This is gonna take so long. We've got a lot to talk about. All right. It wouldn't really be an earful episode if we didn't spend the first half hour talking about things unrelated to these five minutes of well, an earful of or of uh, movie you've got mail. So um, let's see. So so let's talk setup. There's a lot of setup differences, and if you are into podcasts, you must just crave those podcasts spending more time talking about the technology behind them and the setup and, and how they go about recording the show. This is this is a technology podcast foremost. Oh, sure. Yeah. So we like to indulge you, the listener, because we know you, this is what you want. Um, it's the intersection of culture and technology. By giving you more insight into what's happening behind the scenes. So some crazy thing. It's just crazy. Innovations left, right, and center. We are now in, we are now presenting in 5.1 surrounds. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is that real? No, but I thought it was funny. Okay. Um, so innovations left, right, center, rear left, rear right, rear high left, rear high right, uh, ceiling front left, ceiling front right, ceiling back left, and ceiling back right, and a woofer, and yes, and 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 um, low low frequency channel one and two. We are we have innovations everywhere. We really could do a lot more for stereo separation. Um, we could, but we also can't. We could, and we're we limit can't. our tools. 
I guess you're right. I could put you on the left and me on the right. If I would we say really... the movie should be in one channel, mm. and we should be in the other. Mm. But the movie itself is in stereo. Uh, we like, could... you don't want to miss, you know, Birdie walking from left to right and you getting her... That's you know, true, that's her true. Her voice traveling from ear to ear. So we need, we need quadraphonic, is what you're saying. Yeah, something like that. So, um, let's see. So, new setup, new new laptop. This is being recorded on uh, an Apple M1 MacBook Air, the latest and greatest uh, technology. So, and... they, they, like, they, like, completely have, like, a new... Is this, like, a brand new chip? A brand new. I mean, they've they've designed it. Yep, it's an ARM chip, uh, so it it follows the same architecture as their their mobile devices. They made the chip themselves, and it's very fast. Interesting. So they so remind me, they used to be PowerPC Mac. That was that was IBM. Then they went to Intel for many years, and they yeah. still make some Intel Macs, but now their new thing is this M1. So, did you own any Intel stock? Um, you know, I don't. Or actually. <laughs> Funny you mention, I actually do as of two days ago. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Did you do so, that for research for we, these five minutes? I did not think about that at the time, but it sure was well-timed. So we can talk through that in a little bit. Um, so anyway, so we're running on the new Mac, which means that I can do more than like two-ish things without the computer just freezing up. So, so is, is our stuff not like broke, like cross-platform broken stuff or old? You know, because I remember the PowerPC era of Mac was just a nightmare. Well, so they've they've got a, a technology for reinterpreting Mac apps that were built for Intel and reinterpreting them and running them on ARM, and it seems to work very well. It's actually been pretty flawless. So I've heard Discord. That's that's the one piece of software I know is being reinterpreted. That, that is way. a piece of software that is certainly being reinterpreted. Yeah, I had it running right now. I actually just quit it. But but just, but more importantly, uh, our recording software is that also being reinterpreted? Uh, I don't Rosetta? believe so. I audio, I believe Audio Hijack has been fully updated. Oh, hell yeah. And also require, because this thing has a T2 security chip, uh, it required me to boot it into a special mode and disable several aspects of, um, the, or you know, enable the ability to install kernel extensions, do a bunch of other crazy stuff to get to the point where um, I could run Audio Hijack and have it work properly. So We just saw uh, a visitor in our, in our uh, chat room. Oh, yeah, I saw uh, big, yep. big size, eight, eight, eight inches. Yeah, could could refer to a number of things. Um, and um, so we anyway, so we have this. We have new capabilities, mostly just <laughs> a big size, eight, eight inches is seventy years old. Listen, Topeka. Great. Yeah. Um, great for the thirties chat. Uh, so we <laughs> come on, let's let's call the police on this guy. Yeah. Um. So we have, uh, we, so yeah, so we have, we have dramatically new capabilities. The thing we can do now, which we didn't dare do before, is we can actually live stream the show as we're recording it. So we, we were doing that. I actually stopped it because I was hearing some static from your microphone, which I wasn't sure if it was attributed to your microphone or to something else in the chain. So I just went ahead and disabled that stream just to, just to be safe. So Interesting. Well, that's a great update. Yep. So that's the setup update. I mean, just tons of. So uh, we could theoretically be live. Uh, yeah, the, the feedback loop is a bit un- unnerving. I don't know why the stream would lead to you worry about me having more static on my mic. Well, there you hear that right there. I hear music. Well, sure. There's music in the background, but then also you 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 um you, you know your your mic uh, 
kind of cuts out, does a thing where it kind of stutters a little bit. I don't hear that. Oh, interesting. Okay, maybe it's um weird. 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 I don't weird. Re- I don't even know what you're. Maybe maybe it's happening, and I'm just uh, not very. Uh, well, you're talking while it's it. happening, so. But you know, the good news is it just happened while we weren't uh, streaming live, so it can't be related to that. So we're streaming live again. So oh, wonderful! <laughs> if you would like to listen live, which you can't because you won't hear this um, until you hear it on the podcast. But in case you do hear it live, which would be right now, which in which case you're already listening live. But in case you do, you could go to smithery.org slash radio, and that will get you the stream. So, very exciting. This, is, this has been pretty boring. Uh, I have a little bit more uh, setup. More setup. Okay, I, I have, let's uh, go. I have a, a, a liquid in my left hand. Actually, it's in both hands now. Oh. Uh, I, I uh, You're trying to pass off all your old sodas that you haven't been drinking. Ooh, uh, so, yes. I got uh, a bottle of cheer wine. Oh yeah! So this is yeah, a new yeah. one. New one for That's me to drink on the air. Mm-hmm. That's me opening it, and I sip. Yeah, um, and I am sipping a little bit of. Um, That's good. Woodford Reserve Double Oaked. Wonderful. Also, I have a, I have one extra packet of Mighty Hot Sauce from McDonald's, uh, which I probably won't open. But if I get uh, if I need to, I have some, uh, some Mighty Hot Sauce. Always good to have a Mighty Sauce. That's um, in my right hand right now. My, a mighty, an emergency mighty sauce. Absolutely. So that's that's been it for setup. I'm, that's I'm, been it for setup. Should we get into the sink? Uh, key lime pie. We should do key lime pie first. Yes. There's so much to do. There's so much to do. That's the key lime from last time, right? That's what Kathleen said. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, that is not that is not the key line this time. I've got my key line here somewhere. There it is. There it is. Okay, okay, I got my key line ready. All righty. Uh, ready? Three. Three. Two. two one. one. Oh, you, you are such are a liar. marching but into thank the you. unknown, armed with nothing. Okay. So, so similar similar uh, time in this in these scenes. Yeah, I mean, the birdie conversation that that we're going to hear here is, is a very... Uh, it's probably the heart and soul you saw, Matt. Yes. A very telling conversation. And the loins. And, yeah, and the feet. Um, <laughs> strong foundation. Um, so yeah, so I, I picked. Yeah, you are marching into the unknown, armed with nothing. I picked. Oh, you are such a liar! But thank you. Partly Which, because it, she's talking about Birdie, but mm-hmm. that's also kind of true about about Joe Fox. Oh wow! That's why wow. I feel it's, it's deep. And then I had a backup. Uh, please throw it in the trash. Uh, throw, I'll throw it in the chat. Yeah, throw it in the chat. Uh, that's 100% not what the line says. <laughs> Is it not? Do you want to read it for me, though? No, let's talk about this later. Okay, all right, okay. And you'll, you'll know when we'll say it when it comes up, but wow. Right. What? Oh, that's, it shows me uh, several lapses in what you understand is going on at this point, but okay, <laughs> let's let's continue. <laughs> all righty, all righty. Okay. So I'm ready for the sync, then. I am also ready for the sink, so let's let's get to it here. So, um, so what we want you to do, if you're not at home, please go home, uh, grab the 16th five minutes. Uh, we're getting up there. In, we're, we're rolling through this in the movie. You've got mail. You've got you've mail. You've got mail, uh, and you're gonna loop it, lock it, get ready. You're gonna press play at roughly the same time we do. Correct. And that's gonna let you follow along at home. 
So, without further ado, without further ado, we're gonna count it down. So we're, we're gonna go five, ready? Five, five, five four, four, three, two, one, four, four, three, two, one, three, three, two, one, two, two, one, one, one. Go. Amazingly enough, how's it looking? Pretty good. A little hard to tell because you know we got all sorts of well, look at his fingers. But the, yeah, right the now. finger, the typing fingers, that's pretty easy to correlate. Yeah, I made a GIF earlier today. Yeah, I was okay. That's a great question. You made a GIF. I was gonna, the first question is, did you make that or did you find that? I one, I made it from scratch. I and captured. I imagine that's likely because even though I think there was a chance people uh, gift this, it seemed more unlikely than likely. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a moment when I saw it. The moment, and this to be clear, this is the moment where he's pressing the backspace with two fingers at once, uh, all alternating. Well, we'll talk more about that. Very relatable moment. And so he's he's doing that, and I saw that moment, and I immediately said, "I need to jiff this." Uh, uh, I got out the peanut butter. Yeah. Smeared it all over my screen. Yeah. Uh, and then got to work. So well, let's, um, let's be clear in two ways. Yeah. Uh, death of the uh, author. Uh, Death the author. I don't care what Mr. Uh, Jiff says. Uh, they're gifts, and I'd say this in 1998. They're absolutely gifts. Um, I don't know about that. And I ever like I never heard anyone in my life say Jiff until like 2010. Well, I have. Whereas, whereas uh, in the late 90s, uh, everyone was saying Gif. I don't know if that's true. That's I. That's my lived experience, and I don't like you to negate it. I am, don't have the same lived experience, and I will negate it. Okay. Uh, I'm just saying I think we should say GIF because it's right and better. It's, hmm. it's okay. Cool. Um, I don't think we should. Uh, but in any case, tell us tell us more about your process. So my process is um is like hey um uh this little. Whatever it was, two, one second, one and a half second, whatever, looks loopable. That was what I thought, right? So the fr- inspiration is step one. Yes, because it's you know he's going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So I tried to find a start and end point where his hands are kind of you know in a, in the same position to try and get it as seamless as I could, and I think I did pretty well at that. So I got the most I could out of it while so also making it you know. You're in VLC. I mean, I was in QuickTime actually. Ooh. Yeah. So I used QuickTime to trim it up, export it. If I was in, if I was in, uh, you know, doing this in MPV, you, I, I've shown you, you can actually press lowercase L. Oh, I, I'm aware. I'm aware. But, and you, you can know. actually, you can actually loop it uh, in, yeah. in, in, like in any. You could do the right frame. Yeah. So what, what's like? What would? Did you have like frame specific looping going on, or what was your what was your degree of? No. Um, I, I mean, I got pretty precise with it in QuickTime, but I didn't go frame specific. I was, I was more. It was more about the feel and the artistry of it than the science. Were you, were you scrolling left and right in the thing? No, no. Or? I was zoomed in, and I was, and I was using a mouse on a timeline to, you know. Mm, yeah. Interesting. So anyway, so I got that clip done, uploaded that to my favorite website, EasyGIF.com. Oh no, kid. Okay, so you, so you first. No, no. Okay, what you? You created ex- a new MP4. I created a new a new dot move, uh, but you know, is that like an, is that a QuickTime feature that makes it easy to do? Uh, just you was saving out a clip. Yeah, is yeah. That th- I just exported it from uh, QuickTime. Lets you export a clip. Yeah, easily. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. See, you you, you still want to be uh you know praising MPV over there? Well, actually, I know uh, I have a system MPV that I have uh, I've seen recommended. And I tried where it recommends taking two screenshots. 
and then using the screenshots to index when the movie starts to create a new MP4 of of that, so, uh-huh. which is I'd say ideal. It's perfect. Okay. Uh, because now I have a uh, I have a uh, config. So that when I save images directly from the movie, they mm-hmm. have a falling format. Which let me like just read you my config. Because okay. It's really helpful. Great. Uh, if uh, if we have time. Um, we we do. We've got plenty of time. Wonderful. So uh, let's see. Oh, this is. Uh, All right, that has taken too long. We no longer have time. Well, it's going to happen in the background. Okay. So, okay, it's it's config. I was in my dot config slash mpv slash mpv dot conf. Uh, so screenshot template. That's underscore. Uh, that's a uh, lowercase screenshot hyphen template equals in quotes, parentheses, f lowercase f o underscore underscore x parentheses capital p. So when I save stuff, this is so uh, cool. It has this falling format. Hmm, Are you ready for this? Yeah. Uh, it's the name of the file, ygm underscore segment underscore 16 dot mp4 underscore underscore zero zero colon zero zero colon 17 dot 379 dot That's really cool. It's, so, it's really useful. Sure. You know, that's a lot of a lot of info, and I can use this to actually create loops automatically. So this is the future. Uh, but continue with your story. So I uploaded my thing to easygif.com, made a nice GIF out of it. It was pretty short, so I was able to go pretty high resolution, high frame rate, and uh, just exported that baby, uploaded it to Twitter, and the rest is history. So if you want to see it, go to twitter.com slash earful of. You can check out that GIF, use it as much as you'd like uh, for anything you would like. Yeah, I mean, we always love retweets. Yeah, or, I mean, feel free to download it, re-upload it, share it. Feel free to to give us a review on iTunes, Apple Apple Podcasts, that is. Um, Or, yeah, or anywhere you get your podcast. It helps people find our podcast. Yeah, and you can tell them about how how efficiently we use the time that we're with you and never go over time. Yeah, well, we always are. We've never got overtime. Exactly. We promise we're going to deliver two hours, and we deliver two hours. Absolutely. Uh, maybe we should only be longer if we waste a half hour like this. Um, I don't think so. I think it should be longer. Let's go. We have a lot of analysis to do. Okay, let's talk about Okay. This is a five minutes. This is a five minutes. Yes, that's what I can say up front for sure. Uh, so I let's say see. how many scenes? We have, well, we've got the conclusion of the email scene. Yeah, that's an easy one. The Fox Mail scene. That's an easy one. Foxmail.info. Then we have the... Ah, then it gets tricky. Then we've got, like, the, the walking scene. We have a walking scene. It is incredibly short. Yeah. But it is... A, I'd say it is its own scene. It's It kind of is. It doesn't really... You know, it's it's not a part of anything, any other whole. It's, it's just a kind of a... different location. It's at a... Uh, you know, it's at 111th Street in Riverside. Yeah, it's nice. Um, and then, and then we're at Birdie's place. Extended Birdie scene, so that's fun. This is most Birdie we've seen in a while. Tons of Birdie, nonstop. And then we are at the movies. And there, there's different locations within the movie theater, but I think it's just the movies. It's a night at the movies. So I would say four scenes. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's get into it, and uh, I'm just gonna say let's talk about scene one of those four, uh, which is the conclusion of Joe Fox writing an email. Oh, I know 
I'm going to say something unconventional. Let's knock out scene two real quick. <laughs> okay, sure. Let's do it. All right. Scene two, it's Christina and Kathleen. Correct. They walk a bit, and it tells us her reaction, her brief reaction to Joe's email. That's correct. There is. Uh, she's at 111th Street in Riverside. Uh, they're walking from uh, the back of the screen towards us. Uh, telescopic lens foreshortens uh, the entire block to a very short uh, short distance. Uh, there's dogs crossing. Oh yeah, golden like retriever four, comes across. Yeah, like four yep. golden retrievers. Oh, this guy's like a dog walker who only walks golden retrievers. A specialist. Yeah, which is kind of kind of sickening to me. It's kind of eugenicist. I think it's kind of sick. It's kind of sick. I think it's sick, bro. Uh, they talk about the fact that uh, they're fine with kind of going back to the status quo, just being pen pals. It's like George Bernard yeah. Shaw and Mrs. Patrick Campbell. Is that so? That's I mean, I'm familiar with George Bernard Shaw. I'm not familiar with Mrs. Patrick Campbell. I'm familiar with Mrs. Patrick Campbell, but I've never heard of George Bernard Shaw. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, apparently she was an actress, uh, and in, she was married to, uh, a guy named Patrick Campbell. Oh. And he died. Oh, that's right. That is suspicious. Mrs. Patrick Campbell. <laughs> yeah, so, so apparently, like, she and Shaw were, like, I think perhaps romantically involved to some degree in, uh, like, 1896 while he was still alive, but her mm. husband died in 1900. And then for the rest of like he wrote plays for her. Uh, they were a collaborator, so they, they like they met in real life. He actually directed her at least once. Mm. Uh, but they uh, are famous for uh, their series of letters they wrote to each other, apparently. And uh, they, I guess, continued until 1940 or so. When she okay. And that's you know I don't what a couple what a couple what a couple power a couple. couple yeah. So, I mean, it makes it sound like, I, mean, I think, it sounds like Kathleen's implying that they never met or something, but. Yeah. They, they met. Yeah. Okay. So, and it's a, it's a deep reference. It's it's a literary reference. Yeah. Deep literary reference. I mean, I, I do know quite a bit about George Bernard Shaw from, like, his Fabian stuff and, and some of his works, but I actually, I, I did not know about the romance. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay, and then um, any and the location, anything interesting about Riverside and 111th? Uh, he lives on Riverside. We know okay. that. Okay, so it's near his house, which would be in keeping with the whole, you know, or his yeah. apartment, with the, the whole, you know, they, them crossing paths thing. Yeah, so I should, let's, uh, let's... Is one of those dogs Brinkley, do we think? <laughs> Actually, I did not consider that. That uh, someone, the very... dog walker is walking his dog? Uh, so he his one five three uh, one five two uh, Riverside is between eighty seventh and eighty eighth, and they're on one eleven. So they're mm. they're a pretty good way off from mm-hmm. his uh, from his place. So, okay. uh, but I imagine that Brinkley gets a good long walk. Yeah, yeah. One uh, eleven is the first street that is completely north of Central Park. Okay. So Central Park is on one uh, basically on one ten Street, even though it's called Central Park North. But I'm absolutely sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, AKA Tito Puente night. Way. So, uh-huh. uh, so 111, they're, they're north of Central Park. Uh, so, that's, 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 that's fascinating. All right. And that's the walking scene. What a scene. What a scene. Okay, okay, now let's go back to the email. Let's back it. Rewind it. Rewind. Okay. 
It's the first time in my life I've tried to make a rewind Walking sound and it did not work out. I think it worked great. Okay. I think it worked um, All right. I'll Rewind it a bit. Oh, listen, listen, listen. Okay. Meanwhile, this is the walk here. here. Sure. Talk to me. Did, did, did he say anything about wanting to meet you again? No, no, not really. Listen, it doesn't matter. We'll just be like George Bernard Shaw and Mrs. Patrick Campbell. We'll write letters our whole lives. Thank that could be Brinkley. They look I think it has that to dog be looked Brinkley like, Brink like. Looked very Brinkley like. Looked Brink like. Uh, yeah. So okay, that's uh, what a scene. I it's kind of I do not like doing these out of order because I'd like to talk about how she responded to the email. Sure, but we haven't talked about the email. Well, okay, let's talk about the email. Okay, let's rewind it. <laughs> worse, worse than the first time. Substantially worse than the first time. <laughs> How does one make the rewind sound? Uh, I, I mean, I think the best thing to do is you mic microphone a VCR player. Sure. Okay. All right. Rewind it up. Rewind. Rewind it up. I mean, I think people make the sound of people kind of sounding like it's like when you talk like a dog, like oh bow wow, barf, barf. It's like they don't sound like that. That is like a human version, I think. And people go, that's like a human uh, interpretation of VCR player. It doesn't even sound like it. Okay, sure. And I think everyone just impersonates each other. Sure. So uh, I mean, I think what people are actually impersonating is is the sound of the human voice reversed, kind of, which oh, is not really. Yeah, that's true. That's not really what you hear when you rewind a VCR player. You hear more the the motors going. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, so rewind it up. Yeah. First scene. First scene. He is. He's where we left off last time. He has written an email saying that a major calamity has happened. His building's on fire and other garbage. Uh, and then he realizes this is a bad idea, mm -hmm. and he starts to leave. Yeah, he's not going to make excuses, and he, but he is going to apologize eventually. Yeah, and in the process, he does some furious revision and deletion. Uh, yeah, just uh, just like the uh, revisionists. Just like the revisionists, um, he takes multiple methods, uh, or you know, takes multiple approaches to to the deletion. I think first he's uh, kind of, you know, tapping it, and then he's rapidly tapping it with one finger, and then he's tapping it with two fingers, and eventually the paragraph gets deleted. There are more efficient ways to delete things. I I have extracted this. If you listen to this right now. So I extracted the audio, and I'm looking at the waveform. Uh, that sounds like multiple keys being pressed. Well, at different times, but based upon this, you can see there is... It's very easy to say, like, I want to count That's how many one, times one, he one, hit one, it. One, 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 one. Oh, how so many characters? Yeah, because you can find that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, so I... But the thing is, when you're just doing these parts... Like, he's hitting, like, it sounds like you probably find it's two, but, like, listen listen to this right here. This is a nightmare. Like, that is that is that two? Ooh. That yeah, could, it's, it's, uh, it's That could bad. be, like, four. It could be. Okay, listen to this. I, if I'm looking at the waveforms, I would say I'm hearing uh, in the part I'm about to play, uh, which please don't listen to. I'll, 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 I'll Well, complete. should we listen into the scene here this, this nah, time? No, no, no. I'm okay. going to play this right. uh, Go just it. over and over again. Okay. Uh, so I would say this is going to be... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight keys based upon 
the spikes I'm seeing. Let's let's see if you agree. It's hard. Yeah, because it's it's one, two, three, four doubles. One, two, I three, four. So. One, two, three, four. And then each of those has a secondary uh click. So yeah, it's it's a it's a yeah, a one, two, 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 three, three, four, four. This is this is ambiguous. Tell me if this is uh, one key or two keys. Uh, that sounds like one. I think it's two. Really? But, I mean, then it gets easier. This is, we're about to hear one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So this is, I'd say, easy. This is going to be eight. Tell me if I'm wrong. Well, yeah, that's the same. One, two, three, four, doubled. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was thinking I was going to use this waveform and then uh, find out if, if it actually matches the amount of characters you deleted. Then I realized yeah. I don't really care that much and I didn't do that. You should set up like a, you know, a machine learning model first. And, you know, try and see if you can, you know, train it to detect key I presses. Don't, I just don't see the upside. Um, I just don't think that's really a good this, use of my this time. This could be our big break. It could be. I don't, it doesn't seem likely to me. Okay. So, uh, I, I'm just not going to do that. But uh, we have the waveform. Uh, you, you contact us and we can license that to you, our data uh, mm-hmm. that we have. Yep. And, yep. And, uh, we can't license the waveform itself because that's copyrighted by the uh, movie people. But we can reverse it. Uh, let me do that. I'm going to reverse some keystrokes. Let's see. Have you ever heard and of then key- let's let's mash them up, sample uh, them, yeah. and then we can release our own hot single. That would be pretty cool. So, yeah, it's fair use. Here is someone typing in reverse. This is going to blow your mind. Oop. Uh-oh. Now there's the reverse sound. No, I think so. That's that's what I was that's trying sounding, to do. That's sounding pretty cool. Yeah, that, you know, you just can't make that sound with your mouth very easily. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, okay, so this brings me to I said, let's talk about uh, you got mail goofs. Sure. Uh, so this is the IMDb page, and one of the goofs. This is under miscellaneous, uh, and I'll just read quote. Considering his line of work and his position, Joe Fox is highly literate in personal computers. He wouldn't have known the keyboard combination to select and delete his text in his message and would not have had to backspace through a lot of text. Mm. While the above may be true in the real world, this was clearly done for comedic purposes. Mm. Okay. So, I, I mean, is that a goof? Um, no. I mean, it's a it's a bit of a, like a, a plot slash production summary um it's i mean it's kind of there some of these things are character errors and which are goofs being made but they're like plausible in the movie and some things are just impossible yeah i mean this isn't i mean right it's entirely possible in forget about the comedic effect thing it's entirely possible that a frustrated typer would instead of using more efficient methods if they are frustrated with the text they have written they would delete it in the most satisfying way possible which is to pound your delete key with both of your index fingers yeah if you like in general if you are like if you assume all characters in the movie are rational uh optimizers who will always take the most efficient path to do anything of course you wouldn't do that but i would say I don't think we we can assume rationality. Hmm. You know, I know. I just don't think that's. I don't think that's legitimate. Okay. So I I would say I would say that's not a goof at all. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't. I think we should report that goof. 
I would love, and there's there's some goofs that like are not reported. Uh, we need, we need to we need to add more more things to. Uh, no, no, to I the mean, page. I mean, we should we should flag that goof as as That's invalid. What I'm saying. We should, yeah, so yeah. The, 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 they don't really say like taken up or down, but they do show how many find it interesting. And of that one, in fact, we have four out of five thought that was interesting. No, 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 no. Vote it down. Vote it down. I don't. I mean, I'd have to log in. I'm not sure. Well, I've done log in. Vote it down. Sure. Uh, and uh, I, I have learned a lot here. Hmm. At least one. I'm trying to think what what is what has changed. One thing is, if you remember when we were uh, talking about the book uh, at the cafe, Cafe Lalo, mm-hmm. and I said like, okay, Pride and Prejudice, and I was trying to figure out looking at the blurry version of the cover from across the screen. What edition is this? And I I searched for literally hundreds of covers, and I could not find it. It's like, what is this edition? Mm. And this revealing mistakes. When Joe picks up the book, she is brought to the cafe and says, Pride and Prejudice. I bet you just love this book. It is actually the cover of Gene Austen's Persuasion. Wow. So, There's so a goof. Ex- that That's, explains yeah. why I was unable to find the cover. Or Kathleen Kelly is very confused. Well, no, not not just her. She's confused. He picks up the book and says it's Pride and Prejudice. Mm. And it's not. Which, but, you know, what is going on here? Well, he, wait a second. Wow. For what happened? You see what's going on here? I don't. Uh, she said, I feel "Come, terrible. you know, come to the cafe. I'll have a copy of Pride and Prejudice." That caused you additional. And then he goes up to her, and she has a copy of Persuasion. And he pit looks at it, and like not even looking at it. Oh, Pride and, and Prejudice. Said last night, Interesting. Which implies that like he has now revealed that he has read the email. Everyone says things. Oh, wow. (gasps) Wow. So she actually, canonically, she actually knows at this point that he is the, that he is NY152. The, I, and I think the audience are supposed to know that. The audience. The audience are supposed to know that Kathleen Kelly knows that Joe Fox is NY152 because or or Joe Fox at least has access to NY152's emails. Sure, yes. Because he could be he, a hacker. Uh, yep. Uh, because he because he looked I, at a copy of Persuasion and said it was Pride and Prejudice. Wow, that blows my mind. It's a classic. It's a classic trick. That's incredible. So uh, that I well, learned a lot here. Oh yeah. Okay, um, let's see. And then we get a dialogue that pops up on his screen. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, so, okay, let's go back to this. This is really good. Uh, so he, he deletes every single letter. Mm-hmm. He goes back to uh, Clean Slate, except for the, the, the title, which is Re Where I Was or whatever. Mm-hmm. It is now empty, and he says, time to take off my jacket. Sure. And, and uh, he takes it off. It takes eight seconds from his last keystroke. Uh, actually, using the technique I did earlier, I have timestamps of these frames. Uh, 17.379 is where he hits his last keystroke. And then he we see the screen again at 25.387. This is almost exactly eight seconds elapsing. And there is now a, a box in the screen. Yes. So AOL very aggressive about the idle timeouts, and uh, and pops up this screen that says, "You have been idle for a while. Do you wish to continue?" And there is only one button. There aren't actually even choices. There's the one button that says "Okay." Yeah. So 
Uh, I would say eight seconds, less than eight seconds. Let me be clear. Less than eight seconds has elapsed. And it says, you've been idle for a while. Do you wish to continue? Is this a goof? Um, Because I would say, that if we say canonically, did did the uh, is, is the AOL software real, act this way? Yeah, I would real be sure. AOL UI that they that they included, but which is a, several related questions. Which is, does it always show you as like have you been idle after eight seconds? And two is of the possible times. Uh, that it says you've been idle is eight seconds within the range of possible times, because like maybe like it like looks at a clock every so often, and if you're unlucky, it could be like a really short time. Or I mean it's, that, yeah, I mean that seems very unlikely. It's more likely they actually track how long it's been. It's probably pretty reliable. So probably. I mean, there is another possibility, which is that for whatever reason, drafting an email doesn't count as activity. <laughs> That'd be very odd. It would, but you know, you can imagine like that happens locally on your device, and and you're not whatever. What, I mean, what is what is not idle then? Clicking on like surfing the World Wide Web. I don't. Yeah, something. I don't know. I mean, I would say that drafting an email should count as non-idle activity. Yeah. Or are you saying because you're not actually online, you could be doing this offline? Is that what you're implying? Yeah, right. That like, you know, the email is saved locally, maybe, you know, and is maybe not saved to the server at this time, you know, or, or the, you know, at this stage of AOL. And so maybe drafting an email is actually basically similar to editing a text document on your computer. And it's not really communicating with AOL at all. And so it's possible you could be doing that and AOL would wonder if you actually want to still be connected to the internet because it's taking up your phone line while you're you just appear to be typing you know into a text document okay so actually this right. i'm going to read one more from the IMDb goofs because this is very relevant hmm. uh this is called incorrectly regarded as goofs when kathleen writes the email to joe about how she just told off someone at the cafe joe reads the email and logs off you hear the aol voice say goodbye so when he replies to her email he just begins typing the email without logging back on. Interesting. AOL allows you to write emails offline. So there people were saying, people were saying like, oh, how is he writing an email? Because he logged off and didn't log on again. I feel terrible. Uh, so I guess canonically, we are to assume that he is offline. Yeah. Which means that what, like, it absolutely should not be saying you're like, you're idle because of the web time you're using. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, right. It doesn't, it you know, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't. This, it, yeah, it, it, it goes all the way to the top. Uh, all right. This is, this is this is not this is not okay. No, not at all. Um. Okay. Uh. So, so should we add that to the IMDb goose? Yeah, of course. Um. Okay. Of course, please add it. Fault is mine. On Great. behalf of the show. Uh, uh one more. Let, let me also. I usually don't just like read the script, but I think this is relevant. I'm still here. Uh, this is this is in the uh, the script. Uh, he he types. This is me quoting. Uh, amazingly enough, talking about how the telephone system blew. This is his his fake email. He sits looking at it. Then he deletes the whole thing. Sits looking at the blank screen. A line of dialogue. Joe says, "F you." He 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 swears. He says a profanity. Then the next line is. Uh, after following, he sits looking at the blank screen. 
he says F you, and then the next line is, he clicks the yes box. Then he starts to type again. So what is what does that mean? Uh, he clicks the yes box. He clicks the yes box. So that's interesting. So it's like, hey, prop department, we need a yes box. <laughs> Which is like, like even like in the logic of Nora and her Delia Efron writing this, saying that he deleted the email and had to click yes to continue. Like, what is this like? saying that yes i agree to delete it no it's after it's blank so like what what is he clicking yes to um yes box i don't i mean so i think they want to show like he's moving ahead they want to show that he's taking an action right yeah which which, like in the movie it doesn't have that effect because i did not even register he clicked yes well i think it actually does have a bit of a subconscious effect you 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 know in terms of like him taking an active action does probably more effectively communicate the idea that he is now switching course to you know to a different approach right you do see the tide turn but i think this is shown better through his acting his 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 uh i'd say the musical cues will will kind of like show the beats as this goes on i would say of the visual and audio clues that that he has turned the tide i'd say him clicking the okay box and you have been idle for a while is actually the least of these moments but maybe i'll, I'll, I'll take one more look and see if i agree sure uh but one, one more note the dialogue you have been idle for a while do you wish to continue it every word is capitalized as in it is you know lowercase but capital first letters you capital h have capital b been capital i yes. idle very odd to me very odd yeah that's that's an odd way to write a dialogue. Yeah, so I'd be curious, is this a real... Is, so, like, I guess the first question is, like, oh, is this... Well, they filmed it and it really got idle, uh, and they're actually using software, and I think clearly no. Yeah, I mean, this even in the 90s, uh, I mean, that, uh, maybe they wrote... Di- I mean, maybe just AOL had bad copywriting in the 90s. It's possible, uh, and they used, for some reason... Not even title case. It's not title case. It's like it's it's every word is capitalized case, uh, it, which is just very odd. So yeah, I, I don't know. It does. It yeah. It it seems like it's probably fake, and likely in response to that item in the screenplay of needing a yes button. I think so. I think so. So if I search for, uh, do we want to listen to the to, to yes, the absolutely. Um, yeah jacket coming off. much more comfortable dear friend I cannot tell you what happened last night but I beg you from the bottom of my heart to forgive me for not being there for what happened. I feel terrible that you found yourself in a situation that caused you additional pain. But I'm absolutely sure that whatever you said last night was provoked, even deserved. 
and everyone says things they regret when they're worried or stressed. You were expecting to see someone you trusted and met the enemy instead. The fault is mine. Someday I'll explain everything. Meanwhile, I'm still here. Talk to me. Talk to me, Goose. No, not really. Listen, what an email. Okay, so okay, to, to the, answer the question we had earlier. Yeah. The, the emotional tide turning, he takes off his jacket, he stares at the screen, he ca- he's, he's like, he's hunched over, he looks kind of just anxious and trying to get moving, he puts his hands on the keys, You he first clicks the okay thing. Continues in this like this this hunched, uh, you know, very anxious pose, and then after about four seconds, he starts typing, and that's where it breaks. So really, there is no emotional heft to him clicking the OK button. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, totally fair. I, it, it feels like that was not necessary. Which is possible that actually it was in the script. They mocked it up, and then kind of the Tom Hanks in the way he acted out. It's like this is not very useful. He just kind of blew through it. And then added his his what he felt the best way to depict the scene was. Sure, yeah, so very I think talented was, actor. Absolutely, I think he he knew better than the script. So a couple cool things in the email. Okay. Uh, I think number one, the the passive voice of the fault is mine, um, is uh, is is pretty good. Just you know, using um, just distancing himself from it a little bit. Taking a taking a an as, analytical, as opposed to the active phrase, I faulted. Yes, as opposed to the active phrase, <laughs> I. <laughs> um, and and then the other thing uh, is when he says, so he almost writes the phrase. I uh, for I forget if he says like for not being there. Yeah, for not being there, and and then he deletes it. Because theoretically that would be a lie, right? So for not being there, and then he doesn't want to actually lie, so he replaces it with something. I forget exactly what he replaces uh, it with. For what happened? For what happened? Yeah. So, so, so I wrote that. I wrote that in quotes as well. Uh, I wrote that down. I wrote in parentheses. Liar, showing that he, yeah, for some reason, Joe Fox can't lie. He like some sort. He's, he's uh, under some sort of magical spell. Like right. Liar. Which which I actually the way I thought about this is like actually I think he could have said that and still claimed it wasn't a lie. Because he wasn't there in spirit. Exactly, you know. he wasn't there for her. And why one five two wasn't there? Yeah, uh, yes. that, that jerk Joe Fox. Exactly, was. exactly. So I think he could have. You you could make an argument that he could have said that and claimed that it was not an outright lie, and that he was speaking about more of an emotional being there than a than a physical Possibly. being there. Also, when I when I listened to this, zero percent. Was I uh, paying attention to, uh, like, what he revised his email? I think I was like, <laughs> like who, is, who is catching this in real time? Like, well, I'm barely not, catching on to this. It's thing. not about the real time. It's about whether it holds up to deep analysis. I get, Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, it's very, a little bit, bit weird. Uh, I, I'm looking up in the meantime the, the phrase, you have been idle for a while, and I'm finding some late 90s. Uh, pages, including from the Palm Beach Post in West Palm Beach, Florida in 1997. Uh, and people are quoting AOL saying the phrase, you have been idle for a while, do you want to stay online? 
Uh, mm. So, so probably it? inspired by, but not the actual dialogue? I think so. I think they mocked up based upon a real dialogue. Yeah. But they changed it, do you want to see online, to uh, do, do you wish to continue? So that he could press the yes button. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very, very odd. All right. Yep. Okay. Anything else about the email? I, well, I mean, let's talk about, like, what is the kind point of the email? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, how does he approach it? He just mm-hmm. says, I cannot tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. I will tell you later. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he mostly the the major meat of it is him saying, uh, you you know you feel bad you zing this guy, mm-hmm. but you're right. Mm-hmm. It's good that you zinged him. Sure. Uh, you know, which is I'm not sure. Like, is that good? Um, like I I think I mean he's like the, the big question here is is this is the major core of the movie is zinging uh, good or bad? Ah. Uh, and um, I would say. I would say it's 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 the movie tries to have it both ways. I and I think you can have it both ways. I think there are situations where zinging is good and there are situations where zinging is bad. Well, I'd say okay, Cafe Lalo, good or bad? Uh bad. Bad. I bad agree. I agree. Dinner party though, I think it's good. Uh yeah. I think okay. the dinner party zings were a they're over, you know, a, a nice pleasant atmosphere at the dinner party, right? So it's kind of everyone's already kind of in a festive mood. Um and uh, it is those were very those were sharp zings they were sharp zings but they were but they, they were, were zings. Well, they were good they were they were funny and and they were I stood um, up and cheered I know exactly yeah uh, so. by the way this is uh, on Kate's issue Stanford which you are all listening to you've got mail earful of unless you're listening on the podcast and then it is not. Or sipping and streaming radio. Or uh, spinning and sipping radio, yeah. That too. Uh, beep, beep, beep. Uh, quick sideline. Beep, beep, beep. Uh, beep, beep, beep. Nice sideline. Uh, this is this is us in our original uh, watch through in the movie and tweeting about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you want to do, do you need the tweets uh, theme song? No, sure, here? sure. Give me it. Yeah, okay. Here, um, the tweets. Oh, okay. Where's the tweets? There we go. The tweets. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, tell me about the tweets. Uh, this is you, uh, August seventh, uh, August seventh, twenty nineteen, at ten ten p.m. Tom Hanks with the multi finger tapping on the backspace button. Very efficient deletion technique. Ooh, yes. I reply. I, I don't know. If, yeah, I, I guess we replied to each other. As I read it, and then, but I think I already had this in you know writing it out because. I wrote Tom Hanks deleting his message one character at a time is the most frustrating experience I've ever been through. Oh, uh, no, it's very nice. It's frustrating. Little huh? did you know that years later you would be deeply dissecting audio files of it. Uh, I think on on December 24th of last year, a uh, uh, friend of the show, Diego uh, Aguilar, uh, he, he did a watch through of You Got Mail and was tweeting. And I believe one of the things he posted was that he didn't like the deletion technique. It's hard to say because he deleted all his emails. Mm. Okay, but good. Uh, that's it's a like good a factoid. Lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people are are, 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 are stuck on this. Sure. Uh, but okay, so let's stop. He says, he says, like you know, I can't tell you what happened. Uh, you know, it, but it's okay using him. That guy is a jerk. Uh, and then finally, mostly, it's like let's go back to the status quo. Like there is, it's more or less calling a mulligan on the entire thing. Yeah. Which is probably good at this point because the alternative is, hey, no, really, let's meet again this time. Let's actually meet. Let's do it. 
you know, and, and that's kind of. Um, it is very interesting because compared to the shop around the corner, that is resolved in the shop around the corner by Jimmy Stewart giving her a letter, which says, "Oh, I am your pen pal. I was going to be there, but I saw you were talking to uh, Crawlick, Jimmy Stewart's character, so I walked away. Well, what's happening?" Uh, but if we're Which, still on, that is a fantastic excuse. <laughs> it's very good, it, and 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 but mostly you say, okay, you know, our relationship is still on and is going to go up to the next level, and then they still are going to go on with basically what is an engagement. Uh, so like that is continued to escalate in that movie. So that's the way yeah. it handles it. Whereas this movie, I think it it has a very laid back vibe. Well, and they're just, just I mean that's that's the internet for you. They're going they're saying like let's go back to being slackers again. Sure. Slackers, hackers, code crackers. Yeah, that's right. Uh and 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 just to go ahead to that second scene, just one extra bit of analysis. Kathleen's extremely okay with this. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean she's going through a lot right now and you know, this is not necessarily um she doesn't necessarily need the continued added stress of, oh, is he going to show up this next time? Do I have to worry about getting stood up again? You know, I mean, well, it's like, whatever. Clear, she doesn't want to deal with that. Let's be clear. She set up this meeting because she wanted business advice. That is canonically what she said she wanted out of this. And uh, But now she's walking with Christina on the way to seeing Birdie, apparently. And she says, like, she's fine with it. Is this related to the fact that she no longer needs business advice? Um, and a related question, is this the reason that she decides to quit? Uh, oh. If she meant NY152, if she meant NY152, <laughs> who she knows is just a great businessman, yeah. and he says, okay, you know, let me give you a good business tip. And this was like her last Hail Mary move <laughs> is NY152 is going to save the business. Instead, he's a no-show, kind of a flake, weird email. She's like, oh, screw it. I'm just going to close my business. Interesting theory. Wow. The fault is mine. Yes. I think canonically, yes. Okay, great. That's yeah. <laughs> wow. Because I think there's been nothing... She was she was really counting on that, and yeah, it did not come through. Because I so. believe the trajectory is Birdie says bad business, you know, receipts. Yeah. Uh, you know, bad, you know, just everything is bad. Then she has a Hail Mary of talking to him, uh, saying, let's have, a, let's have a meeting. Let's talk business. He doesn't show up, and then nothing else data-wise comes up. I believe that she just has ch- changed her mind from, I need business advice to, uh, I'm now giving up. Yeah. Yep. So, so I think nothing else influenced her decision. I think it's 100% just this. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Okay. We figured it out. Uh, scene three. And scene the third. Br- brunch at Birdie's. Okay. Okay. Let's let's say something here. I wonder if we're being sure. inconsistent. We, scene four has them in the escalator going into the movie lobby. Mm-hmm. And then at the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call it one scene. We have this. It is Kathleen and Christina presumably walking to Birdie's, and then they're at Birdie's. Why is that not one scene? Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. I think it's one scene. Okay, all right. Okay. Let's let's merge scenes two and three. Uh, I, uh, 
Although they do have like a kind of separate flavor. They well, and you've got some Joe Fox voiceover still in scene two. I mean, there's you know, there's a lot going on there. You got the dog tough. walker. Very tough. It's tough to say. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, let's let's. Uh, it's it's under it's under review. Brunch at Birdie's two. You think it's brunch? I think it's brunch. Well, oh, I mean, yes, afternoon tea. I think I think it, yeah, I think it's a light late. Well, lunch. there's there's scones though. I guess scones are a tea. Thing. It's a tea meal. It's a it's a tea meal. Fortunately. We, we have a, a drink situation here, so we're not going to be in trouble there for a drink at the app. Um, we have Birdie's tea. Still with me there? Uh, we have Birdie's tea. Birdie's tea. Um, and we've got... So what What do we got? we got scones. we got Birdie's tea. We've got... Uh, actually, there's some drinks in the movie theater as well we should take a look at. I see an icy machine. I see multiple icy machines there that... May also be. Well, you didn't notice that before. Good, uh, good I know, contenders. I know that. that I'm well. I'm you know. Sometimes you got to view it ten times before you notice things. Um, so we have on the table. We have a quite the spread. Yeah. We've got Birdie's tea. We've got nice tea, sco- nice old teapot. Very nice. We've got scones that that I guess Kathleen brought or Christina brought or some combination of the two. We, we got finger sandwiches. We've got tea sandwiches with the crust cut off. They're tiny tea sandwiches. Ah, oh, I love them. Are, I need are to make some of tea sandwiches and finger sandwiches the same thing? I guess so. I think, yeah. I mean, so what is a finger sandwich? Is it like a sandwich small enough you can pick up with your fingers? Um, your palm? With, with a single finger, yeah. That okay. you can balance on a single finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you're supposed to eat them. That makes sense. Uh, actually, or or you can do the alternate method, which is where you poke your finger through the center of the sandwich and Ooh, then just suck like on your finger, player. like a record player. Yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> they call it the spinning the, and sipping. The forty, the forty-five, uh, the forty-five technique. Um, so um, you are gonna. Um, his, his face is all deleting. It's very funny. Oh, yeah, love. He's, he's looking at Brinkley and just making stupid faces, and then he. Uh... To be clear, this is Joe Fox while he's typing. Joe Fox, yeah. Well, you can hear the typing. So, so okay. So we on the yeah. So we got tea sandwiches. I think that's it. Anything else on the table? There's some that flowers. There? Some flower. Yeah, I mean, but I'm Pretty... talking about I'm talking about edibles. A lot of flowers, readable. Dear friend. Uh, sure, that's yeah. Okay. We, at no point in the scene do we see them eat the flowers, but well, we don't we, see them eating the sandwiches either. Uh, they, no, they made their, made we one hundred percent. Christina Pletzker is is chowing down on those sandwiches. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you missed that. Well, yes, maybe you should re, maybe you should watch it. I'll, I'll watch it. Okay. okay. Um. So um. Let's see. And then we get this conversation about marching into the unknown, which ty- which is our our key line uh, pie from earlier. Well, we'll hear this in a second. He called question based upon them walking around. Uh, the scene at the bookstore mm. post date the day after is February nineteenth, right? Mm. Uh, how much time? So he responds to this a bit later. Mm-hmm. Presumably, no more than a day later. Sure. I don't think this was a week after. I think it was like a day later. Sure. And um, and uh, then you see them talk with the email. So I think this is still late February. Yeah, I think that's fair. So I, I think I mean, really, up until the next scene too, when they're talking about what happens at the birdie lunch, I still think it's still it's it's likely not even the end of february they're wearing we're in bun- yeah, like they're bundled up there's snow on the ground there's not there's not snow on the ground oh maybe it's just very white pavement i believe that's true uh okay. so let's just say it's late february still yeah i like it just want to establish that okay and mrs patrick campbell will write letters our whole lives 
Thank you for the scones. They look lovely. They brought Bertie, scones. Where was this one taken? Seville. When you fell madly in love? Yes. So, dearie, what have you decided to do? Close. We're going to close. Close. Closing the store is the brave thing to do. Oh, you are such a liar. But thank you. You are daring to imagine that you could have a different life. Oh, I know it doesn't feel like that. You feel like a big fat failure now. But you're not. You are marching into the unknown, armed with nothing. Have a sandwich. Well, not nothing. I, I have a little money saved. If you need more, ask me. I'm very rich. I bought Intel at six. <laughs> now, I suppose you want me oh, to tell Christina's... you who it was I fell madly in love with. Sandwich time. Yeah. But I'm not going to tell. Who was it, Bertie? Oh, tell. Oh, that's so mean. <laughs> that's so romantic. It wasn't meant to be. Why not? He ran Spain. Spain? The country. He ran it. It was his job. And then he died. Just as well. Milk or lemon? Maracas. She fell oh, in love with Generalissimo. Oh, yeah. Very good. Very okay, good. okay. Let's talk about this. Okay. Okay, so here is... Uh, uh, first off, okay, so basically, before they talk about the business decision, they talk about the photo in Seville. Yes, which which Christina has found in Bertie's like living room area. She picks up a photo showing uh, what is Bertie uh, in in Spain, and uh, there's a photo. I do not think this is actually of young Jean Stapleton. I believe this is another actress playing the part of young Jean Stapleton. Okay, but it's a woman who I, I'd say I, looks between 25 and 35. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, it is, uh, and Gene Stapleton, I think, born in 1926, if I remember right, so this, you know, would place it around 1960. Okay. So, uh, this is interesting. This is, in the original script, the second time Seville is mentioned. Oh. So earlier, when, uh, when George is lovestruck with, uh, with the, uh, police detective... Uh, he talks about like he had a, like he was a coup de coup de foudre, where you get uh, love suddenly, bang, a thunderbolt. And Birdie says, "I had that too, only had it in Seville, where it's called El Estreño de Amor." <laughs> so she says that, and then in the scene originally in the script play, Birdie says, "Where was this taken, Birdie?" Birdie says, "Seville," and Kathleen says, "When you had the thunderbolt." So this was a callback, oh, but because yeah. they cut out the detective sequence, they had to ADR it. So instead, she says, uh, "You know what, what was the what was the line?" Uh, she says, "Seville, when you fell madly in love, and you could see this is ADR. Her mouth doesn't match this at all. So that's a little bit uh, ADR right there." Yes, nice a little behind the scenes. I find that endlessly fascinating <laughs> just to find out like where you like cut these things because you. Uh, you got mail. They do this a lot of places. Seamless and and prudent throughout. Yeah, I'm impressed yeah, like it, how it, how it usually works really well. Yeah, I mean, good decisions made and good you know good omissions. So, although I mean, the William Spongen 
angle would have been really nice to you know to work in there. I don't. Yeah, thoroughly. I would but love to know how it felt because I, I think <laughs> I trust their judgment that it didn't work. But like, I think I think all the kind of lead in would have. There's a lot of shaggy loose details in this movie. Yeah, and they I think mostly the shaggy details of William Spongin, uh, the recluse living in Mexico, is now emerged. That's actually pretty. That's actually pretty cool. Very but cool. I think the weird sexual assault is less cool. Less cool. So I, I would say I, I, I trust him on that. Uh, okay, so they talk about this. Uh, and we should say before we get into too much into this, Birdie's apartment, very nice. Um, Huge. Large, well-appointed, nice view. Looks like she's got a view of the water uh, out her window. I mean, you know, Riverside is, uh, you can look upon a river. It is by the Riverside. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, presuming they're still around there. I mean, you can actually, this is the same sequence of walking because you can see Kathleen is holding what we presume to be the scones. Oh, there's the scone box. The scone box. Uh, in, in a deleted line, Birdie says that she has rent control and her apartment has 10 rooms. Right. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah. we, we see that here. Very good. Okay. So, okay. So, they talk about Seville and then they say, okay, you made a decision. Which sounds like Birdie you know, knows or knew this there was this was coming up, yeah. Which yeah. It, it, which begs the question: Did they call this tea time specifically to talk this over? And if so, why is George not here? <laughs> okay, that is the second question, uh, which is, uh, uh, which is uh, the decision process. She says, "Have you made your decision?" Uh, Kathleen says, uh, "Where we're closing," and. Uh, Close, we're going to close. And then uh, Christina says, close. <laughs> Which it kind of implies that Christina had input on this. Right. So everyone but George is involved in the decision making. Well, here. and Bertie's kind of like a standoff, you know, consigliere type, type advisor. Sounds like, oh, Kathleen is a ball in the court. It sounds almost like it's a co op with two members that share in the decision making, which are uh, Kathleen and her part-time uh, stock stock worker, uh, Christina. Yeah. So, I mean, they're the senior management. Either that or Christina has no input and is just kind of like, you know, babbling uh, sure. in a way that... Which I, I, I think that she did consult Christina. Uh, I assume so, yes. Yeah, you would, you'd have to. I think you have to legally. You have to. <laughs> so uh, the decision was made. Yes. The decision was made. People... Okay, offhand. People... On Twitter, at least, they hate Birdie because the way she responds here. They oh. think that she is evil and cruel. Because mm. what does she say? You are marching into the unknown armed with nothing. Yes. Uh, she she basically negs her hard. Yeah. Uh, it's actually... Well, I don't know. I mean, she's saying... Uh, it's it's a, in the original script, very different. Kathleen says, it feels like I'm such a failure. feels like I'm quitting. feels like... Mom, and then Birdie says, "Keep things alive doesn't keep your mother alive." Although sometimes I think we all think it does. So, yeah, Kathleen says, "I feel like a failure. I'm money on my mom." Birdie says, "Oh, don't believe that." Instead, in this, Birdie just says, "You probably feel like a big fat failure, now. <laughs> but you're not." But in a way, like you, you see Kathleen hearing that, like she actually uh, is shocked that Birdie is is insulting her. Yeah. Uh, and then Birdie says, it's like, well, you don't, you know, you're very brave. You're going to be <laughs> marching unknown, armed with nothing. Uh, you know, and then she, like, Kathleen has to defend, well, I have a little bit of money saved. And then Birdie's like, well, I'm rich. <laughs> I bought Intel at six. 
And people on the internet feel like Birdie is just, at the moment, she seems unconcerned that Kathleen's misfortune, and two, is she's rubbing it in that she is monetarily secure. Uh, question one is, is this rude if she's earnest? And two, is is she negging her in like a weird way of like supporting her? Through kind of this like harsh. Well, like, I mean, we are when we know we know they're very close, right? So it, it's. Um, I think Bernie knows what's good for Kathleen. I think if she's nagging her, she's doing it for a good reason. Y- yeah, or, or is is, um, you know, I guess it, it is uh, knows that Kathleen is is going to, um, sort of receive it uh, well as friendly advice and, and not you know, take offense to it or whatever. Well, I think so. she was a bit shocked in the moment, but I think in the end it's going to be good for her is the implication. Sure. Yeah. Uh, note about her money. She says, I'm rich. I bought Intel at six. Yeah. So let's get into this. Um, so, so Intel was $6 in April, 1995. Correct. Yeah. Um, and, and to say that like it was it only crossed the threshold once. Yep. And it like happened in, in April 1995. Before that, like, it was much cheaper. And yep. afterwards, it was much more expensive. Uh, sort of. So uh, um, it was uh, around the time, I think, that this would have th- this movie was filmed and slash set um, uh, in 1998-ish. It was about $20. Um, so I, wrote it, down, I wrote down in late February, it's about 30 bucks. Uh, late February. Of, oh, late February of 98? Yeah. Uh, I know. I think so. I mean, it fluctuated a bit, but um, it was. Um, I mean, here I can look it up again. But, I can look up again. Um, so February of 1998. I think you're looking at 1999. Oh, you know what? I think you're right. I yeah. Think you're right. So it, it, yeah, because throughout good, good good catch, good catch. Throughout 1998, it was around twenty dollars. Okay, um, and pretty stable. I mean, throughout 1998, it was you know it, that was pre dot uh, com boom uh, where it just goes crazy, and um, so I hope Birdie held on to that until uh, right around uh, 2000, um, late July, late yeah or, or uh, yeah yeah uh, June July of I mean and if she sold any time between you know May May and June of 2000 that would have worked out for her. Because um, if she didn't sell then, then uh, well, still versus six, she's going to be in okay shape. But I uh, hope but, she held until uh, late, uh, like about you know the, the late twenty tens. <laughs> That's the thing. There's no, so it's kind of crazy that Intel has still not actually gotten back to its its dot uh, com era uh, boom price of seventy dollars. Are, are we sure they didn't split at any point? Uh, it, that would be reflected in the graph. So when when a stock okay. splits, it, it, the graph is retro. The stock graph is retroactively um, okay. So updated. We, we do know that is, is yeah. Not. Yep. A lot of people are talking about. I was hearing all these different things saying Intel's in trouble because they're losing their edge, uh, mostly because they're they're saying that you know the U.S. in general is only designing chips. They aren't fabricating chips. Um, um, I mean, that's an argument. Sure, I, I, I guess. I mean, as far as I know, Intel is still fabricating chips in the U.S. But, or, I know, don't think that's true. I think, I think they, I think they, uh, they off offside it. To... I'm sure they offside some, but they're they definitely are also making chips in the U.S. Because um, there is demand for that from you know like military applications where you you need to trust that the chips were were made without foreign interference. 
Um, so I'm, I'm not sure Intel does that, but we can check into it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so. So okay. So in other words, like I when I first heard this, I thought I thought she was saying I bought Intel in like the you know, mid '80s or something. No. And no. Instead, she's no, saying she, she bought, bought it this, like in literally like a, a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah. Which is you know that's it's yeah quite the meme stock you know something uh, you know three years from six to to twenty. Um, and uh, you know, so she's tripled her money, which is how much good. Like, did she put all her investment? Like, but right, money? I mean, she would have had to put like everything into Intel Six, or I mean, she's just being facetious here. And, and I think I think it's kind of a joke. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a joke. So with all that said, I did actually again uh, completely independently of these five minutes because I hadn't watched it yet. I or maybe subconsciously I knew, but I bought Intel stock um, on. Uh, let's see, can I see when I bought it? I think I can. Yeah, I bought Intel stock on February 4th, so that was Thursday, and I bought it at a price of $57.97. It's a lot more than six. Um, it is a lot more than six, yeah, but um, it's because, I, I mean, I was looking at it, and it, uh, I, I, I like the stock. Um, it's, <laughs> uh, they are continuing to provide regular dividends, they have a great uh, PE ratio. They uh, are yeah. The annual dividend yield is two point three nine percent. So you value investing. I, I, it's, it's, buying stocks all my ring between the lines. Uh huh. Price earnings is eleven dollars and seventy seven cents. That's amazing. It's great. Four dollars and ninety four cents earnings per share. It's like so. Anyway, not giving any financial advice on this show, but. Um, I like the stock, and it's great. and it is again. If you look at it, it's still not back to its dot com peak. So there's there's headroom there is is what I'm saying. So that's cool. That's very anyway. cool. So uh, yep. yeah, that's 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 been our uh, eyes on the stocks, eyes on the market. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So I would say it is interesting though. What is the actual risk of material deprivation here? Because Kathleen's like, I have a little bit of money saved up. Uh, does she have other like skills? Does she, is she employable? Right, it is a concern. Um, if we remember, let's go back to what Kevin Jackson said. You remember that? Uh, no, I do not. Uh, Kevin Jackson, when they were at the tr- uh, on the treadmills, he says, "You don't feel bad about basically sending her ass back to the project with food stamps, right? Broke right, single right, right, white right. lady. Yeah, is she going back to the projects and going on food stamps?" I would say it seems to me in the logic of the movie, she is not going back to the projects. Yeah, but I mean, what's her safety net? Is it Birdie? <laughs> I I think honestly, it's like a little money saved up. I think honestly, she has probably a lot of money. Yeah, saved up. okay. I think she. She yes, and maybe maybe um, maybe she owns the bookstore. What? Like, do you think she actually? Do you think she is is leasing that space, or is it possible that, that is like, the other question? Like, like in general, it sounds like they're making a decision to to to, like, they have some sort of burn rate right now, and they just know it's not ticking upwards. Yeah, and they're saying, "Oh, let's give it up." Like, this is never going to be profitable again. And but the question is, like, it sounds like it's just like they are basing that just based upon the fact that the trajectory is bad not because like we don't have money to continue going it sounds like they could continue burning for many more months yeah or even but, years but what's the point what's if it's not point? sustainable yeah yeah so it's just like a little money saved up maybe she has like a lot of money saved up. i don't yeah. know yep 
possible. Yeah. Okay. And then should we? Uh, are we? Do we want to get into the Spain stuff? No, that's later. No. Okay. What else? What else you got? Okay. I'd say let's go last scene. No, no. I mean the birdie Spain stuff. But I'd say like, let's talk about that when we talk about Frank talking about. Okay. Okay. So what I really like though, before we get into the next scene, the transition between these scenes is divine. Um, it's good. Let's let's actually. Well, we'll get it in a second here. Um, oh, there's one more thing I want to talk about at the scene. Okay. So, Christina, Christina says, like, Bertie says, I fell madly in love, but I'm not going to tell you. And then, uh, which is just, like, obvious bait. Yes. And Christina, she, is she completely earnest? And she says, like, who, like, who is it, Bertie? And which, to me, it sounds like being sarcastic. Like, oh, you're obviously baiting us. But then when Bertie says, I'm not going to tell you, like, Christina's devastated. It's very bummed, yeah. Well, that's kind of Christina. Okay, here. She fell in love with Generalissimo Franco. Ah, don't say that. Really? We don't know that Well, for who sure. else could it have been? It was probably around 1960. Do you want some popcorn? I can't believe this. I mean, it's not like he was something normal, like a socialist or an anarchist or something. It that... happened in Spain. People do really stupid things in foreign countries. Absolutely. They buy leather jackets for much more than they're worth, but they don't fall in love with fascist dictators. Okay, let's, let's do the second part later. Okay. So the cut, I, I love the cut because it is, uh, I mean, it, a little disorienting because we're going from Bertie's apartment to an escalator. <laughs> Um, but the continuity of Bertie leaving things somewhat ambiguous, and you as a viewer, unless you're well-versed in Spanish history, you'd probably not be included into exactly what's happening, to, bam, Frank is explaining things. And I think it's, I think it's a really nice, I, I just, I, I enjoyed it. And the cast and Nats are really good. Yes, they are. Uh, this is, this is noted in the screenplay, by name, this takes place at the Sony Lincoln Square Cinema. Oh, Okay. Uh, which, in fact, was where You've Got Mail made its premiere. They had wow. a grand premiere at this, at this movie. They had it all figured out. This is based on one person making a tweet. I, I'm not finding other confirmation, but I th- that sounds plausible. I believe that uh, this, this, this yeah, is Yeah, I trust most tweets. I, you can't you know, lie. If they're not true, why would people put them out there? Yeah, they got rid of Section 230, so you can be sued for libel now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so at this movie theater, uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a good quick transition, uh, quick quick remedy uh, of like what well, the ambiguity really spells it out for you. I bet when I watched this at twelve, uh, that was the first. Oh, sorry, thirteen. I, I probably the first time I had heard of Francisco Franco. Dear That's not true, but I haven't heard a whole lot. So I needed my I need the explanation I when I was thirteen. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's wise in general, but um, but yeah. So and and yeah. And I I mean I was roughly aware of it, but um, it would I did not fully understand the reference here until I watched Pan's Labyrinth uh, weeks ago, and and then looked more into uh, this whole Spanish Civil War situation. Yeah, I was I was looking into. I think I was I was. I started reading a couple of years ago, uh, and then I picked up again uh, George Orwell's Homage to Catalonia, and I was re- rereading that. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 been on my mind uh, recently as well. Uh, here's a question: You know, was Franco fascist? Yeah, it's an interesting question because <laughs> um, it's 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 heavily you know it's it's heavily uh, you know uh, argued over at the time. You know, Orwell at the time says he wasn't fascist; he's kind of just uh, you know controlled by 
uh, revanchist, you know, monarchists and other conservative elements, but not the same flavor Someday as a Mussolini or, 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 or Hitler-style actual anyway. fascist. Right, yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, again, I mostly just read Wikipedia articles, so I, I, I don't claim to have any particular deep knowledge of this, but my impression of it is, you know, a lot of the rhetoric and kind of imagery and symbolism was definitely similar to a lot of the, um, you know, equivalent fascist imagery. Um, he, but, was a, he was a strong man. He was a military man. Uh, but, it, like, it, I think part of the, it was essentially small C conservative in that they're bringing them, like, back to kind of a conservative. Like, I, well, what, are the, what are the major? It was, it was a weird coalition. But one of the big things is, is traditional, like, gender roles was yeah. a big thing. Women back in the home. Uh, the monarchy was a big thing. You had some people like want to restore uh, certain certain offices of the monarchy, which is like I think broadly like generally not great things. Um, yeah, I, it's funny. It's like people say like, oh, the phalangists. They're actually they consider themselves a third way, neither right or left. Uh, but they're con- they're generally considered far right. Yeah, yeah. That's yes. Um, it's it's they're the they're the uh, sigma. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at the, the Sigma t- party. I mean, at the time, though, like, I think there is something like it's like they aren't really fascist, but people went to Spain to fight the fascists. Yeah. And that's like, you know, why, like, Orwell went there. It's like, yeah, I wanted to fight the fascists. And, uh, but, like, it is a weird coalition because, like, it's like what, like, in the press, a lot of people were anti Republicans or the Republic. Uh, you know, uh, the Republicans and the nas- nationalists, they were because they felt that the the uh, anti-Franco forces, which were the the old government basically, mm-hmm. uh, were taken over by the Reds, and they wanted to basically burn the churches because they were not just like hostile; like they actually literally were defiling every church they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, which that yeah, that, I mean, it's right. There's a sort of a you know. I mean, so if you're seems like a generally all, ugly time, uh, at least yeah. from certainly from Pan's Labyrinth. Does not paint it particularly pleasantly. <laughs> a lot of monsters. A lot, a lot of monsters around the time. Um, and you know, I think it. I, uh, I'm not Spanish, but I. It does appear that that Spain is now in a better state in terms of uh, um, the uh, policies and agenda of the government and the way in which things are conducted. So uh, it seems like it was a generally negative um, thing and extremely bad in some ways. There are good movies made in like the late 60s, early 70s were kind of coming to terms. I'm thinking of like, well, what's the name of uh, one of these? I mean, of course, it's like Spirit of the, of the Beehive and uh, Cry Cuervos. But of I was, course. The other one I saw is like the name of a drink, uh, like like strawberry, strawberry daiquiri. What was it? Sangria. Uh, it was a good movie, I think. Uh, but the people felt here. The weird thing is, under Franco Spain was it, it was a very hostile time. Sure. Like I think like. There, there actually, there was like a terror campaign against all, you know, both both left wingers as well as you know people who are considered uh, socially uh, problematic, uh, you know, homosexuals, other other folks. There was like I think like women who were, uh, oh, peppermint frappe. That was that was a movie, good okay. movie. 
uh, directed by uh, Carl Suero. Some guys says Carl Cuervos, nineteen sixty-seven. Uh, but uh, it it was both during the war, uh, like okay, during the Spanish Civil War, left-wing forces everywhere were heavily hostile to like you know the fascists in Spain. They have taken over a left-wing legitimate government. Uh, and, and people were, were opposing this. Well, I mean, I mean, great. I mean, that seems like the thing to do. But the U.S. stayed neutral. And the U.S. Sure. and actually U.S. business interests, a lot of them were were supporting Franco. Uh, like, I mean, that also seems in keeping with the times. But yeah, like like oil companies were like going yeah, out of the way to I, I not, not 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 uh, sure. <laughs> service uh, service the. Uh, you know the, the Republic, uh, you know, uh, you know ships, but they were going out of the way to service the Franco stuff. Uh, and it's weird because the Soviet Union at that time, it's they were supporting, uh, you know, the 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 Republic government, but not too well. A lot of people are saying it was active sabotage because they honestly wanted to keep a good alliance with France. It's it's very it's very hard. It's very it's very complicated. But Franco wasn't great. But here's the thing: after the war happened. Uh, for a while, it wasn't clear like the UN was not accepting Spain into the into the Soviet uh, into the United Nations, but the uh, but the United States government was actually, I think, normalizing relations pretty early because they were a, a strong Cold War ally. Oh yeah, okay. And the big question here's my big question. Yeah, was it was it realistic? That a U.S. person would be able to travel to Spain in 1960 or so. Oh, from what from anything you just said, sounds like yes. And in fact, I did find data saying in 1965, 15 million tourists went to Franco Spain. Wow! Uh, and of those 15 million, 700,000 were from America. Wow! I think okay. a lot of them. I mean, like so, Spain it was is, things were very much. It was like business as usual. It's rep- it was I guess you know it was known this is a repressive government but but nice it's like, beaches it's like they and... are allies yeah it's like going to Saudi Arabia today a lot uh, of people do it yeah I guess that's true yeah yeah so uh, good allies I, I, uh, I nothing but support for uh, King Solomon <laughs> great um so okay so then we get uh, back to the movie um we get Frank comparing it to normal things. Socialism and anarchy. Yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, that's the other thing with the Spanish Civil War. The Spanish Civil War had a bunch of different sects. There was, you know, the government uh, kind of broke up into like actual, you know, Stalinist allied communist sects. Then there were other sects which were, uh, you know, Trotskyist aligned, which was breaking with Stalin and wanting to have revolution everywhere. Whereas actually the people aligned with the Soviet Union were more moderate in saying, well, let's not have revolution here in Spain. Let's just support the Soviet Union from afar. And they're actually much more likely to work with middle class like bourgeois residents, which is kind of strange. That was the official Soviet position. It's like, let's not go too far, guys. Uh, and then finally, the anarchists were kind of not really too much of a dedicated political uh, position, but just were kind of like... You know, they, they kind of just go by uh, they, they go by the feel of it. You know how it is. Sure. So it's it's it, but that the main thing is there was the the socialists and the anarchists were were the big groups opposing Franco at the time. 
Yeah. Okay. Sure. So, okay. So Frank is, well, so this is really just all an excuse to lead into the straw that is going to break the camel's back of the Kathleen Frank relationship. <laughs> sure. Okay. Two, uh, two other quick things about logistics. Sure. It was heavily rumored Francisco Franco uh, had lost a testicle and was actually like uh, unable to oh. have like perform sexually. Uh, here, here's a line. Oh, from... and this was because right because he didn't have an heir, right? And that was part of what led to, uh, I guess I, I don't know if it was fully peaceful, but like a you know a, a transition after he died into a, a, a more normal government, right? Yeah, he famously died in the mid '70s. It was a protracted death. And things more or less normalized afterwards. Uh, here's a quote. A biography of Spanish dictator Francisco Franco revealed shocking fact about his sex life. He was in the army in Morocco uh, fighting to keep Malila. Uh, most like in the war, he lost a testicle, which may have led to his sexual deficiencies. Francisco's doctor claimed he was unable to pull back his penis's foreskin. The doctor further informed biographer Pilar Ere that Francisco's sex life was non-existent. He added that he advised Francisco undergo a surgery, but the dictator refused. According to the doctor, he was not interested in sex and channelized his desire to satiate his hunger for political power. So, I mean, this is not just a rumor, but apparently at least was even published by a doctor, which doesn't mean it's true, but it is uh, at least a, you know, kind of a rumor you can source. Yep. Uh, And it seems like it's unlikely. There's no history of him having mistresses, uh, but... You know, if if in fact Everyone he had a love affair in nineteen sixty with with Bertie, okay, which Got like it. how like how would a what Taurus like what is what is actually the chances the Taurus would even like, how is this how is this meet cute happen? Um, well, I mean, it's maybe she was on a tour of a government building, <laughs> and, and and love struck. Second second thing is she never says it was Franco. She says he was the man who ran Spain. Ah, it's so like worth, a like a minister. It is worth mentioning that from the early fifties on, there was like a weird economic modernization uh, stuff done. It was you know noted that the economies larger ran from technocrats from Opus Dei. Uh, so these kind of like weird, weird Catholic economic gurus, and strangely, for being a right wing government, uh, Spain was. Uh, Kind of a third wayist, somewhat influenced by left wing Catholic ideas, and had facilitated a lot of weird cooperatives. But in any case, uh, it's it's possible that the man who ran Spain, Bertie referring to, possibly it's a man who ran the economy. And as part of Opus Dei, which. Yeah, just like it's kind of like uh, the Da Vinci Code, you know? But yes. It's, it's kind of like he is a uh, Greenspan type economic guru. It all connects. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Yeah, so um, it is it's been interesting. Like the Spanish Civil War has always been a very like uh, nostalgized war, mm. as far as like aesthetically being on the side of the lovable losers. It's always been a big thing. Like in 1943 or so, uh, you know, Casablanca, Rick was you know he ran guns for. Uh, for the for the public, mm. uh, you know Hemingway wrote about, you know, uh, working with uh, in the war. Mm-hmm. It's like it's always been a very kind of wistful war, and it makes sense that Frank, who is aesthetically driven, 
would feel like this is extremely compelling. Ah, so you're saying he's got a pretty surface level understanding of it and is sort of and is just identifying with the romanticized vision you know version. Yeah, I think that's I think it's a big part of it. It is like in his mind of all things to go down one side or the other, mm-hmm. the aesthetics of the Spanish Civil War are a slam dunk. Yeah. You are with, you are against Franco, you are for the lovable losers. Sure. And for Birdie to shack up with Franco is disgusting from an aesthetic level. Sure. Uh, you know, as opposed to, I think, maybe a more nuanced dictatorship or a less aesthetically fetishized one, he would probably have less of a reaction to. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, we gotta listen to this. Last chance. Bertie is a very special person to me. She is practically my surrogate mother. Well, she's out of her mind. She is not. I could never be with anybody who doesn't think politics as seriously as I do. Do you mind? A hot dog is singing. You need quiet while a hot dog is singing? I have something to tell you, Frank. I didn't vote. What? In the last mayoral election, when Rudy Giuliani was running against Ruth Messenger, I went to get a manicure and forgot to vote. Since when do you get manicures? Oh, I suppose you could never be with a woman who got manicures. Amazingly. All right. What a scene. What a scene. Um, So, okay. So the... um, there's a song playing in the background. Let's all go to the lobby, get ourselves a drink. Uh, famously featuring uh, singing "Hot Pocket." Yes. Uh, so yeah, I said I thought I thought he said a hot pocket is singing. Um, I guess I wasn't listening close. He definitely sang a hot dog is singing. So that's that's fair. This is this um, bothered me when I watched it the first time, hmm. uh, or at least like recently when I tweeted about it. Uh, which is they this this is a famous. Uh, what they actually call I only learned, uh, a snipe. Snipe is referring to anything which is a non-feature part of a of a cinema experience, including trailers, other stuff that movie theater shows. Mm-hmm. Let's go out to the lobby. Has been part of the National Film Registry. It is a one-minute sh- snipe. Ah. Uh, it is something which actually was created by the uh, Film Mac uh, company. Mm. They made this movie. It was animated between 1953 and 1955, uh, and, and released in 1957. Uh, what they did was actually they sold the physical print of this to movie theaters for like a flat fee and said, okay, we own the rights to make it, but just go go to town. You own mm. this now. Mm-hmm. So then movie theaters be showing this to get people to go to their lobby. Uh, this is incredibly popular for decades. Hmm. Uh, in the late 90s, there is no chance a movie theater would be showing this. Uh, maybe as a nostalgia thing. I would say, like, I just don't think that, like, I... I mean, I remember, um, I remember the Simpsons uh, parodying this in in the late '90s. It's not a parody, though. I mean, no, sure, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was top of mind at the time because it was on the Simpsons. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, like in Sony, Sony Lincoln Square. Yeah. 100% was not showing this before the movie. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. And like it's, yeah, but it's a nice. I mean. If you're gonna do pre-movie things in a movie, I mean th- that's a pretty nice um, uh, sort of generic one to do, right? If you actually were to represent the sort of things that would have the sort of snipes that would have shown up before movies in 1998, I mean it would be just obnoxious in the background. Well, the things like usually you get trailers. You know, it's it's kind of hard to show a trailer happening. I well, mean, but the, but that doesn't fit with the. I mean, they can't. If they were talking over a trailer, then that would be. 
then they'd be very clearly in the wrong. Uh, here yeah. they're just partially in the wrong, and well, Frank is able before, to defend w- himself. When you're showing a trailer, you also drop lights, and the lights are still yeah. on. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which so. honestly, what did they show in movie theater when lights are still up? In my experience, uh, you would only show the pre-movie snipe slideshow, such as it would be advertisements of local businesses, and yep. then kind of like unscramble this movie actor's name. Yes, like that's the like. So I don't know. I, I would say to me. This is so unlike what actually is shown in the real world at this time in movie theaters. I call it a goof. I don't think it's a goof. It's obviously this is not what a uh, a professional first run movie theater is showing. Yeah. Yeah, in, sure, yeah. I mean, they're just you know. I mean, that's like saying I'm livid right now. This is not okay. okay. All right, uh, All more right. goofs, more goofs, more goofs. Oh no. Uh, they walk through the lobby. They walk into the movie theater. And there are movie posters in the background. The movie posters are for the two movies, Deep Impact and The Truman Show. Oh, yeah. It doesn't say... movies. It doesn't say coming in the future, It's it, but these are two summer movies. Deep Impact released May 8th. Truman Show released June 5th. Mm-hmm. I believe they filmed this when these movies were showing. Of course, yeah. But Similar it, to the Big Lebowski uh, situation. Sure. So in... <laughs> Like, is this a goof that in late February you're seeing posters for currently <laughs> showing movies that were summer yes, movies? It is that one is a legit goof. Or is this in the in the in the in the reality of the movie, these movies were actually February releases? Uh no, I think that's a legit goof. Okay. Yeah. What what a movie. Deep impact. What a movie. Oh what a film. What a film. Um so okay, so let's see. Um the so I mean I wanted to talk about well a few things here uh, although we're we're going, getting short on time um so well, well we didn't waste a second how I know I don't know how did it sneak up on us like this um so just quick poll movie etiquette okay to talk over the snipes or not yes or no if the lights are up you can talk that's I agree I agree I don't think they're in the wrong here um I mean I you know. Ideally, they're not talking. They wouldn't be like shouting, but they're not. I mean, they're whispering, you know. But everyone else in the theater is intensely watching this, uh, this, this hot dog. It's very weird. The lights are up, and they're playing a snipe with synchronized sound. Yes, it's extremely weird. It is weird. Uh, and then um, uh, the other thing is the mayoral election. So, nineteen ninety-seven mayoral election. That was a real thing. It was Giuliani versus Ruth Messenger. Uh, Giuliani obviously won. Uh, with fifty-seven point seven percent of the vote, so pretty. And I'd say, like, if you talk about kind of the aesthetic richness of that race, is a part of it. Like, she was doomed. Uh, partly, she was like her major campaign appeared to be fighting the fact that Giuliani wanted to privatize the school district, and mm. she was like a fierce champion of the New York public schools. Mm-hmm. So that's a that that is a kind of underdog story that Frank would definitely be supporting. Yep. Yep. I cannot tell you. Um. Okay, and um, let's see, and yeah, and then the you know this is the again this is the start of the fracturing of um, of their uh, relationship here, which um, is it's it's you got to have a catalyst, and this provides the catalyst. It you know, Frank says he could never be with anyone who doesn't take politics as seriously as I do, which is a funny line. <laughs> uh, this is to quote again, Megan Day. Uh, Frank confesses he can never be with anyone who doesn't take politics as seriously as I do. This exchange prompts a series of revelations that result in a breakup. We're instinctively on Kathleen's side. Frank is harmless, but also cloying, a bit self-righteous, a little phony. Aren't all lefties? Uh, we're relieved when she's rid of him with his endless opinions and terminal crusades. His politics. 
Uh, I mean, the thing is, yeah, it's uh, not just his politics. It's uh, that he's annoying, annoying, and it's all he cares about. And he's saying he can't be with anyone who doesn't take it as serious as him. Which really, for pretty much anything, politics or doesn't, I don't know, um, uh, hamburgers. Like that's it, it, really not a good stance to take. <laughs> Well, it actually, I mean, it is, it's much more normal now for people. Like, there are dating sites where, like, it's like you are able to show your political preference because, you know, it's very... But that's that's not about taking it seriously or not. That's about sort of what your beliefs are, which is different from saying, unless you actually care about this specific subject matter as much as I do, I'm not interested in you, right? I think he's saying there's like a line you cross, and part of that line is you don't uh, shack up with uh, fascist dictators. Sure. And yeah. and Kathleen says you're being a prude, and you know it's like how much has really mattered the '97 uh, mayoral race? I mean, Giuliani is you know ghoulish. Yeah. Uh, I'm like a lot of us didn't catch up with that till later, but I, uh, people in New York knew it was up. Yeah. Okay, uh, we got to go real quick here. So, no, um, drink of the app is the icy machine. Yeah, I mean, the T is more focused, but the icy machine is much more distinctive. Okay, good. Uh, hack of the app um, is... What's a, what's a, what's a bug? Um, that we uh, don't know about Birdie's past. I, I think he's having trouble deleting stuff. He's having trouble deleting stuff. Okay, so how about like a little one of those little uh, sipping bird things that presses his delete key a bunch? That would work, and I'm one of my fast ones. What are like whiteout for your screen? Oh, nice. Yeah, just or like just a piece of white paper that he can put on his screen. That's good. Good hack. Yeah. Okay, good, good hack. hack. Uh, okay, um, and then um, uh, the um, uh, Where's I View? Movie as a whole as a whole. Three, two, one. Four and a half star. Four stars? Four stars. I'd say four and a half stars. Okay. Uh, movie up until this point as a whole. Ready? Three, two, two one. one. Four, four stars. Four and a half stars. Nice. Okay. These five minutes. Ready? Uh, three, two, one. Uh, three and a half stars. I would say uh, three and a half stars. By the way, we, nice. like, keep in mind we started the company. We're at the I know. I'm, I'm tracking the time. Uh, but we've got a lot we need to do. So, uh, And that has been uh, Where in the Air. Wow, that was very efficient. We're um, going to have more time to talk about the apoliticality uh, next episode, but this kind of gets a start. We'll have more time to talk about lots of things next episode. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Uh, okay, and then if you want to contact us, here's how you would do so. Here's a good Okay, here's the question and answer stop. You give me a prompt, I will answer it. I'll give you a prompt, you answer it. Ready? Three, two, one. I want to Twitter you at Earful of. I want to email you. It's set up. It's set up. It's set up. It's now set up. We're good. I want to go to your website. Earfulof.com. Good. Great. Very good. Wow. Very nice. good. Very good. Okay. Ooh. Boy. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, All right. what a um, thing. What a thing. Okay. Any other business we got to get out of the way here? Let's do another, like, uh, 40 minutes of analysis. Okay. Yeah. Just a, just a quick 40. Yeah. A quick back 40. Yeah. I would just say uh, life. I mean, it's, it's politics is never easy. Life isn't easy. Emails sure. never easy. And, you know, emails are never easy. Don't Deleting think- emails are just never easy. <laughs> I mean, every act you take with an email is a political act. Let's be honest. 
Yes. To write an email is to uh, take a political act. To delete an email is to even to say, I'm not idle. I'm, I'm active. That's a political act. But what you do with those political acts is up, is to, up you. to you. Sucker. When you became the world's greatest surfer.